our scripture reading this morning talks about worship as a, as a sacrifice. And I think, I think Bo made the sacrifice in bringing those Legos to church. <clears throat> so now I would invite you to, to listen carefully and listen well to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. As we continue in this series on worship, here is some of Paul's words about what is going on when we gather. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your rational worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that once more, and I want you to see if you can identify some of the different aspects of the human person that Paul names. And then maybe we'll see. We can share those together. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, rational worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Did you catch anything there? Parts of the human person that are named. What's that? So, so the mind, yes, that's one. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Your body, yes, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And one is a little more subtle, I guess. Um, it said to, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is our, and my translation says, spiritual worship. Anybody else have something different? Your translation. Spiritual worship. The, the, the perhaps more literal translation is what I said the first time. It's your rational service. So when you're being rational, you're using your what? Your your mind, and in particular, your reason. Your reason. Uh, so we have body, making sacrifices before God. Uh, and you have your um, reason operating within that, your rationality uh, operating within your worship. But then there's also this aspect of being renew, renewed in your mind. And so um, the, the word for rational comes from the word logos. Have you heard that word before? Okay, the word. Who is the word? Jesus Christ. And yet, we have this word, word, can mean lots of different words. It's, it's, it's complex. Uh, and one of those is reason. Your reason, your rational faculty. The, fa the, the thing that differentiates you in part from animals who don't have reason, right? So you have the gift of reason. And this is your reasonable service, which corresponds in some way to, to who? The Logos, Jesus. So that's that word. 
So you have a body, you have your reason, your, your logos, your little logos operating, and then you have your mind. And the word for mind here is the word noose. Have you ever heard me say that word before? Only a handful of times. I've been reading a book about it literally all week. And it's taken me, I think, 12 or 13 years to begin to get a glimmer of what's going on here. And that probably speaks, says a lot about me. Um, so this is a big deal in the scriptures. Love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Your mind is your new. So there, there's some aspects to your soul. The noose is one of those. It's like the eyes of your heart. Uh, there's also your reason. And then there's also your spirit. So these are, these are beginning to talk about some of the things that are a little mysterious in some way to us because we're not very familiar with them. But if you read anything from 1,500 years ago, it's all the church talked about. Like their, their understanding of the interior life and of the human person was uh, incredibly deep. And now, like, I, you know, <clears throat> I could easily have gone to seminary and not heard a thing about it if I hadn't been reading some other, other stuff. So it's sort of something that's dropped away a bit, but the thing that is eye-opening to me is if you read the scriptures and you have some glimmer of what it's saying in Greek and the words that are being used, noose shows up over and over and over and over again. It's an enormous thing. So I hope that we're going to get some beginning of an understanding of this and I don't expect you to understand it all, and probably because I can't communicate it very clearly. But it's in the Bible. It's right here. And I want us to at least to begin to, to gain some curiosity about ourselves, about how God made you, about the various aspects of who you are, each of them having a particular purpose and correspondence uh, to God. So um, we'll, we'll see where this goes over the next however many years, uh, but I'm, I'm hopeful about it. Um, now, we've been walking through the worship service in something of an orderly way, slowing down different aspects of the service so that we can become aware of what's happening within them. So that, and wh what faculty is that? It's your reason, right? We're, we're trying to reason through the reasons for why we do what we do when we gather. So that's the aspect of your mind that we're engaging with here a little bit. So as we think about uh, being called out of the world and gathered together, washing our hands at the font as we confess our sins, hearing the word proclaimed to us and becoming alive by that word, being illumined within it, uh, now we come to that section of the, uh, of the worship service that is the offering. The offering. It's connected with the table. The offering happens after the sermon by way of response. It is a response to the word of God that is proclaimed. It is a response to the gospel and the good news that we are now, the, the old us is gone, the new you is alive in Jesus Christ, um, that we've been given eternal life, that we've been offered forgiveness and can be assured of that because of what Jesus has done. After we hear the good news of the gospel proclaimed, then we give our offering. Because the good news of what God has done for us is not something that we have to pay for. It's not something that you earn. 
what we give in the offering is a response to him of gratitude and thanksgiving and praise. A recognition that everything we have comes from him anyway, and so it's a way of returning that to God uh, as we come to the table. So it happens after the sermon and before the table because historically there wasn't always cash or coins floating around in abundance, uh, and people would trade services and goods and uh, food. And so when the folks came and offered up the oblation, which is sort of the, uh, the, the technical term, they would come and offer up the bread and the wine, literally the fruits of their lives, which they gathered together as the people, and they came and they placed that upon the table. There would be other offerings that were made. Uh, if you look at any of the Old Testament passages of people coming to Jerusalem to the temple, they would be coming with, with all kinds of goods, uh, weighing them down. Uh, they would, especially on the Day of Atonement, they would offer, remember there are a number of different things that, that were offered, but on the Day of Atonement there were the uh, two goats which were offered up. Uh, they would bring a sacrificial lamb. Uh, they, these would be the, the practices. So they, they came and they offered it up, and then they feasted. You remember how we talked about the, the sacrifices were about a meal, actually. It wasn't necessarily about life being taken. It was about a meal. And so, again, this connects to the Old Testament patterns of worship. We bring the fruits of our lives, the food that we have, so that we can set the table But in worship, there's really four offerings. We know about the one where he passed the plates or when Jonathan takes up the collection and then we bring the, the bread and the cup forward. But there, in worship, there's, there's four offerings. Or you might say, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. There are four sacrifices that we make, which correspond to this call in Romans 12. And so the first of those is confession itself. It's a sacrifice. Remember the great uh, prayer of repentance in the Psalms? Tell me what number. Psalm 51, right? It's a psalm of David. Um, it's a psalm where he's expressing sorrow for his sin and asking forgiveness. There's a line, A broken and contrite heart, O Lord, you, you won't despise. Uh, we come... And we literally, we offer up our hearts which are broken with sin. Our hearts which are sad and contrite um, uh, and, and sorrowful for the sin that we have made. And we offer up, we, literally, we offer, yes, our hearts, but we offer up our sins. We pray and we, we name them. Typically we do that silently. Um, as we name our, our personal sins, we, we confess that we have not loved God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's those words again, heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we've not loved our neighbors, ourselves. And so we offer up our sin to, to God. And this is what Calvin, John Calvin, calls that magnificent exchange. Where we, we give God really the worst of ourselves. The part that is darkened, the part that is uh, wounding um, painful, that hurts and harms the world, that is going astray. We offer that to God, and what does Jesus give us back? He takes what we offer him. He, he receives the sacrifice, 
And he gives us back his life, the purity of his life, all that he has accomplished for us. That's the first offering. We make an offering, and Christ receives it and gives us back himself. That's pretty much how we begin our worship. The second offering comes as we bring uh, our tithes, as we just spoke about, um, our offerings, sometimes gifts of money, sometimes bread and wine. It's really the fruit of our lives. God has given us the capacity to, to reason and to plan and to work and to labor. And he's called us to that from the very beginning. We can see that humanity was called to, to work and tend the ground and to be productive. And so we bring God the fruits of that labor. And we say thank you with it. We recognize that there's really nothing that we have or could possibly own ever or work for that's not rooted in his provision for us. Certainly, you know, a great work, work ethic is important. Um, and there's, a, there's an important sense of, you know, Paul talks about uh, those who have not worked don't need to be coming and, uh, and, and eating in the same way. Uh, those who have not offered anything up. I mean, it's, imp it's important to work and to have a good work ethic, ethic, but also when you offer that, you're not saying to God, hey, look at how great I am. Look at how much I've done or earned or bought or produced. No, we're saying, God, thank you that you have even made this possible for me and for us. And offer it to you and to be used for your kingdom. There's a difference there, right? That's the second offering. As we come, we bring that. And so we offer up those things, and then what does God do with them? He, he receives them. And then, especially in the bread and the cup, we see how he gives them back to us. The things that we offer, the things that we give, he receives but then offers back, now transformed as the very place where he gives his life to us so that we can share in it. You see how that's happening? We give the worst of ourselves and our sin. God gives us back his life. We bring the best of ourselves and our labors. And he gives us back his life, participation in him. And then as we're drawing a little closer to the table, as we think through the order of service, you're going to get to this later, the great prayer of thanksgiving. As you're welcome to the table, I invite you to share in the great prayer of thanksgiving. And I say, the Lord be with you. Also with you. Lift up your hearts, right? That's the, that's the third offering, the sacrifice. Lift up your hearts. What do you say? We lift them unto the Lord. Uh, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. The unfolding of that, the center of that is really the offering up of your heart. The essence of who you are is your heart. Do you know what the scriptures and the early church writers have to say about the heart? This is your noose. <clears throat> it's described, the noose is actually like the highest level of your heart or the purest. It is the place where, which God has created in you that you might experience him. It's the place that within you is in relationship with God. But after the fall, 
your noose, and I'm, this is just what the Bible is telling us, like your noose was darkened. Paul says we see as in a glass dimly. Uh, Jesus says about uh, the, the eyes, he says if, if the light within you is dark, then how dark is that darkness, right? There, and, and so I've read commentaries where it would say, you know, they just, they really thought in those days that, that it wasn't the sun's light which provided light to the eyes. You actually had light that emitted from your eyes and shined like flashlights, and that's how you could see. Which, like, if you stop for a second, that makes absolutely no sense. Um, why can't you see in the dark then? I mean, they knew the darkness way better than we did, right? Makes no sense. But, that, I mean, that, this is what is in, like, fairly dense academic, you know, um, comment, biblical commentaries. And it's just, like, I would have been very confused about that, too, except there's this teaching that the eyes of your heart are luminous when they are in right relationship with God. But because we sin... The noose is darkened and we can't actually see God. In fact, you can't even see the noetic aspect of your heart. I'm talking about the noose and y'all are probably like me, like, what in the world is that? I've never heard that in my life. That's, that's part of me? That's the most important part of me, perhaps? We don't even know that's there. Uh, but here's this passage. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your noose, your heart, the eyes of your heart, the place within you that is made to commune with God. How does that happen? How is your noose renewed? Well, in part, as you come and you offer your body in worship, and as you are, uh, offer up your rational service, your sense of your body, there's a sense of your reason. There's a sense of everything being gathered up, in a sense, into one place so that we can offer it to God. And the focus of that, like we have gathered from our homes. It's not, it's not this weird spiritual thing. We have gathered from our homes and into this one place. And as we have reflected on our lives through the past week, we've gathered up all our sins, and we've given them. We've gathered up in, 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 a, in a symbolic way all the fruits of our lives and we offer those up uh, in the offering. We focus and hone in our attention throughout the week. And here's, here, here's another way they describe the noose. It's your subtle attention. So we gathered our attention together and we focus. And where do we end up focusing? The table. As we lift up our hearts, our whole, like in order to lift your heart up, you must be focused on that, right? The center of who you are. When you pray that prayer, we lift, we lift them up into the Lord. I want you to be focusing on, like, if you were to draw yourself into the very um, uh, most condensed version of who you are, the very center of your life, gathered everything up, that's what I want you to lift up. And as your attention is gathered in and focused, we offer that to God as well. And what does God give to us? The very same thing. Through His Spirit and the Word, He gives us who He truly is as we receive communion with Him. It's the place where everything comes together.
But there's one more, the fourth offering. And we pray this immediately after we receive communion. As we have received your body and blood, make us your body and give us to the world. The last offering is something that God makes of you. God offers you now and actually offers himself through you and in you and with you and around you to the world. So we come, we offer our sins, the worst of us. We come and offer the best of ourselves. And, and in both of those things, God gives us himself in return. We offer our hearts, which is how we are renewed, how you are renewed completely in God. And he gives us himself. He joins us to his heart. And then he takes us and he gives us to the world. Four offerings. Your body, which is your rational service, but also the very essence of who you are. That's the pattern. That's the, that's the offering, or at least part of it. Let's give everything we have to God, that we might receive everything he has, that we too might be given to the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.